All day long, I talk to my children. We carry on full conversations between Barbies, partake in high-intensity negotiations, and I always take direction on how to tuck them in for bedtime just right. Over time, I've learned how to communicate with them unlike anyone else. Parents develop the ability to translate for their kids, and sometimes I forget that not everyone can speak Lucy's unique dialect. But every once in a while, she'll say something that even I can't get. Work on your and you make patio. Say it one more time. She had taken marker and drawn all over her arm. Why? What was it? Chris and I lay in bed trying to figure out what she was saying. What on earth could this be? We racked our brains. Pachio? Pistachio? Patchwork? We tried to get her to explain. And it's from what? Mulan. It's from Mulan. Yep. And it's like tattoos? Yep. Mulan. Okay, one of her favorites. We started connecting the dots. I could even picture the part I thought she was referencing. I just didn't know what she was actually talking about. I grew up during the Disney Renaissance. It's a real thing. Google it. You know, like Little Mermaid in 1989, Beauty and the Beast in 91, Aladdin in 92, The Lion King in 94, Pocahontas in 95, the Grammy Award winning soundtracks. Can you paint with all the colors of the wind? The star studded casts. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. That made everyone super pumped about the Walt Disney Company again. And I was the perfect age. I was five when The Little Mermaid premiered. I could swim like a mermaid. And, more importantly, I could sing like a mermaid. At least in my mind. Every time I was in the pool or at the beach, you bet I was singing part of your world while convincing someone, anyone, to make a splash behind me. Someday I'll be part of your But just because I love the movie doesn't mean I knew all the words, at least not the right ones. One day I was doing chores around the house and singing. My mom stopped me. Annie, what are you singing? Pregnant women, sick of swimming, ready to stand. Yes, I thought that bright young women was actually pregnant women sick of swimming. I guess I had a passion for work with expectant moms, even from a young age. Earlier this month, Netflix added Mulan to its streaming service, and Lucy jumped at the chance to watch it. We were doing housework, walking in and out of the living room as the opening credits played. Suddenly, Chris hollered for me to come get into the living room, and there was Mulan, painting her cheat sheet onto her arm, just like I remembered. Refined, poised, punctual. Punctual. The word is punctual. Mystery solved. This is The Parent Coop. Stories about parenting. No advice, no judgment, just stories. Today's show is about hearing, so let's get started.
Recently, an old college friend sent me a note on Facebook. Uh, hi, my name is Dan Bliss. Dan and I had been in choir together in college, and he was looking for a professional recording of our group from back in 2005. At first I thought, no big deal. He probably just wants to relive our glory days. But then I read his whole message. He explained that over the last few months, he'd begun to lose his hearing. Um, about a year ago, I started getting more of a full, fullness feeling like I had a piece of cotton in my ear. Um, and my selective hearing, as my wife calls it, uh, started getting a little worse. He says he first noticed something was really off when he was moving his family from Nebraska to New Jersey. In Wanakew, New Jersey. He's got two small kids. I have um, Emily. She's two and a half. Um, and then we also have Evan. Evan is almost six months old. With four kids between the two of us, we were able to connect by Skype around 5 a.m. before anyone else was awake in either of our houses. The connection wasn't the greatest. Dan says during that move out east, he spent a lot of time in the car. I drove out here. And was a great 20 hours of me just, you know, talking to my dog and listening to some good music and, um, and recharging things and in my life. And uh, on one of the stops, I got out and that, that ear was ringing pretty bad. But it was more than just the ringing. Something wasn't uh, right. I just, I noticed there was a, the song that I think was on was... Uh, I had, I had good music. Um, I think it was Radar Love. I've been driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. And it just, it, you know, there, there were parts of it that didn't sound, didn't sound right. And that's a half past four and I'm shifting. So I, I started thinking back on it and like, man, I should probably get something checked out because um, it was very muffled. And that bass didn't come through as much as I used to love to rock to. Red I love. Dan's been into music his whole life, from listening to classic rock with his dad to singing in the choir. But his hearing wasn't just affecting his road trip music. When I was watching a sporting event or um, a show we were really into, um, I started to turn on that closed caption text and um, then I wouldn't have to worry about it. But that was also another eye opener for me. And in public, it was hard for him to focus on just one sound. I used to love talking in crowds, talking with crowds and would just kind of move from crowd to crowd or person to person, talk to everybody. And uh, um, I used to love just kind of sitting and talking to people in that situation. And um, it got to a point where it was really difficult to hear because my ears couldn't really focus on one certain thing. Um, they were trying so hard to hear what was coming on, on the right side or left side. They may not hear the person that's talking right in front of me, or it would be muffled. Or I'd, I'd really have to focus and read lips um, 
if the, if the background noise was loud enough. But the biggest frustration was at home. Um, you know, with, with, I now have two kids, and, and there have been several moments in the last couple months where one's, one's screaming, crying, the other one desperately wants my attention, and I just can't. I just can't do both. Now, that's a hard situation for a parent with two good ears. But Dan says even worse than not being able to focus when both kids needed him was not hearing one of them at all. My wife may come in from from being outside or being at the grocery store, and I'm sitting downstairs and working, and she said, uh, we're going to go up and get the baby. I said, uh, I'd say, well, what, what's going on? Well, he's crying. So... Those alarm noises sometimes, even no matter how much of an alarm noise they might be, if you're not hearing them, you're not hearing them. Finally, Dan says his hearing got so bad, he had to go see someone about it. If the TV was on and my wife asked me something, I wouldn't have heard one or both of them. Um, it was either muffled or not clear, or I had to focus so much on one that I completely did not hear the other. He knew it was bad, but he didn't realize just how much he wasn't hearing. The, the hearing tests that they had given me at that point, I had lost about 60% of my hearing um, between both ears. And it wasn't just hearing loss. Frequencies, too. So um, the way that it works, some frequencies you can hear really, really well, and it may be too much. I mean, it may be enough to make you cringe. And then other frequencies are are so low that you can't hear them. After seeing a couple of specialists, Dan finally had an answer for what was going on with his ears. So to finally get down to it, um, their diagnosis was that I had a um, abnormal bone growth on one of the bones in my middle ear. Um, Or professionally, I guess, uh, medically called autosclerosis. That growth was physically blocking the sound from reaching his eardrums, but that wasn't all he had to worry about. The calcium that that grows on that bone um, emits a certain toxin. That toxin will break down the eardrum. So that's what causes, the bone growth causes the decrease in hearing. Um, And then once once that gets bad enough, those break down your eardrum and, and you can no longer hear. Dean says the doctors were hopeful that they caught things early enough that he wouldn't lose all of his hearing but they also made no guarantees he'd get any back, and he'd need surgery. Um, the procedure was to, to take out a, a bone from the middle, that bone from the middle ear, and then replace a prosthetic in there um, to hopefully um, stop or slow the <clears throat> hearing loss or the breakdown of the eardrum. The procedure was fairly standard, but as with any surgery, there are risks. It was, it was pretty eye-opening at that point, and... Not really knowing how much I had lost, um, and at that point knowing now, I started racking my brain um, that if this is, is something that eventually could deteriorate, deteriorate worse, um, and people who don't take care eventually go deaf. He realized there were sounds he'd heard his whole life, sounds he'd cherished that he may never hear again. Started thinking about, well, you know, there are some things I may never hear again. If this go, if this surgery goes awry, so I, I made the decision to, at that point, to start getting recordings of 
for trying to hear um, as much as possible to try and, and add to that bank of sound, that memory bank of sound. He started thinking about how sound shaped his memories. I, I grew up on the river. That's the Mississippi River. And one day I found myself just searching barge horn sound um, and, and just trying to lock that sound in. And, and you know, I have no idea what it would be like if I didn't have a hearing. But I hope that maybe that day that I listened to those barge horns on the Internet that... Um, I can kind of lock that into my memory and rehear it when I start thinking about home and my childhood. From there, he started looking for other sounds he realized he didn't want to lose. Sounds that, that took me back or sounds that I missed hearing. Some were things that when he took his hearing for granted, he actually kind of hated. Like my dog barking. I used to kind of cringe at it because she doesn't rarely, she rarely ever barks unless somebody strange comes in the door. And of course, his kids. My daughter's laugh is pretty infectious. <laughs> like any three-year-old's laugh is or can be. Dan works from home. He gets to play with his kids all day. But that laugh... <laughs> he realized he may not get to hear it develop into a rambunctious middle schooler <laughs> or a mature young woman's voice. So he began listening to those sounds over and over every night. It's a repetition. So I'll put it, put it in my, my headphones or something at night so I'm not bugging my wife and just, just listen to those recordings and just hoping it sticks. Now this is not prescribed by his doctor, and he didn't read about it as a proven method of memorizing sounds. But he realizes that all of our senses have this ability of evoking really strong memories and he was just determined to save those memories locked inside the voices, the atmosphere, the music he'd enjoyed all of his uh, life. Some of Eric, Eric um, Clapton's guitar riffs. James Taylor's voice. Say goodbye and say hello. Sure enough, good to see you, but it's time to go. Don't say yes, but please don't say. Those are two artists who are some of my dad's favorite. So hearing them always takes me back and makes me think of my dad, who's since passed. The fact is, he doesn't know if any of this will work. But faced with the reality that he may permanently lose all of his hearing, He's trying hard to save what he can. If I see my daughter laugh, I hope that in the future, though I may, may, may not be able to hear it, I hope that that memory bank gives me the ability to hear it internally. Dan had surgery on his ear in December, a few days after we spoke. Going into it, he was pretty honest about the possible outcomes. I have the, the surgery coming up and a lot of different outcomes that, that can happen. Um, one would be 
they restore my hearing completely. And it's almost as it would be almost as if I had never lost any of my hearing. Uh, um, there's probably a better chance of it happening to where I maybe get about 80% of my hearing back. There are certain instances or frequencies that may not sound right it's just because you're delivering that sound not through bone but through a metal piece in your ear. And then the the and there's the, the probability of it not working at all. Dan's doctors are confident that since they caught the autosclerosis early, before it began damaging his eardrum, he should get most of his hearing back. But that doesn't mean it won't happen on the other ear or come back later in life. And Dan says he didn't want to take any chances. After all, he's got those two little kids that he wants to hear. She, she goes on her own little adventures with her toys and, and has just an incredible um, imagination. And she's so creative in how she plays. And it's, it's really fun to just sit and watch her. Um, she gets mad because I don't play with her. But I'm just, I'm, I'm busy watching, watching her, listening to her. She's, she's funny. And um, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been pretty great. And when he's not appreciating his rambunctious daughter's imagination, he's got his little boy who's still finding his own personality. Pretty, pretty relaxed kid. And, and with Hurricane Emily in the background, it's tough for him to oh, get in too much trouble or be too much of a frustration. So he's pretty relaxed, pretty calm baby. Dan says even if he gets all of his hearing back, he's learned a valuable lesson. It's just being conscious about my what sorts of distractions I have going on. And, um, you know, if I have, if I have the phone up or, or the phone, if I'm messing around with my phone on Facebook or something like that, it's, it's knowing that if she, if Emily comes to me, I just need to put the phone down. Um, I can't multitask. I can't, I don't want to risk giving my, my daughter the thought that I, I don't care. Or I don't want to listen to her. I don't want to play with her. That's good advice for someone with two fully functioning ears. I know I need to be better about it. It's just being more perceptive on, on what types of interactions I have. And, and I think it's just being aware. Dan says he's lucky. There are many worse outcomes to this situation. So he tries to put it all in perspective. It's not that the prognosis or the, the surgery is grim in any way or, or a low percentage surgery. Um, but it, it really makes me open my eyes or ears <laughs> a little bit more often now. And, and starting to realize how frustrating it would be to have a life and not be able to enjoy these sounds. Um, and though I know I would, I would live a long and fruitful life, hopefully, um, without it, uh, I feel that sounds that I would miss or the sounds that I, I get to, to hear now enrich my life so much. When Dan reached out to me, he asked if I had one particular song. It was an old Irish hymn, a song we sang at the end of every concert. It sounds a little corny now, but we'd all hold hands as we sang it, 
This song meant so much to everyone in the Monmouth College Chorale. It's ingrained in each of the minds that memorized it during their time in that group. And even though none of us can go back and relive those days, we carry it with us. It's been sung at dozens of weddings and whispered into children's ears as lullabies. And if none of us ever heard it again, it'd still be there playing in our minds over and over again. A little update here. It's been about six weeks since Dan's surgery, and there is sound. He's optimistic and says that even though it's distorted and muffled, kind of like a blown stereo speaker, he still has another month or so before he knows how well the surgery worked. And the doctors are optimistic. Hey, the Parent Coop needs your help. We're looking for more stories. Stories from you. Some of our upcoming episodes include stories about pets, art, loss, even Star Wars. If you have an interesting story about your kids, your parents, your cousins, or anything else, record a voice memo briefly describing it and email it to Annie at theparentcoop.com. Thanks! What what is what does our family family? Uh, my family sounds like. What does the family sound like? Hello, my name is Debbie. What does your mommy sound like? Like a mommy. And how does that sound? Um, like a human. Maybe she sounds like maybe. Uh, my grandpa? Mommy sounds like a cow. I'm Ryan Tiger Johnson. Ryan Tyler Johnson, and how old are you? Um, I turned three and a half. You turned three and a half. Good, good work. Alright, Ryan, this is your question. What does mom sound like? <laughs> Tell, how are you, what are ma, you? Is that what she says? Alright. How was your day? Okay, if you're going to pretend to be mom, <clears throat> what would you say? I love you, Sarah. Oh, that's nice. That's what you're supposed to say. You actually do love me. I know I actually do love you. <laughs> My dad kind of sounds like huge. What does dad sound like? Blah, blah, blah. Like Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. 
What does your dad sound like? Maybe my nana. Maddie, what does dad sound like? What do you mean? Like, what does dad sound like when he talks? If you're gonna pretend to be dad. D. Oh, you mean like the letter? Just no, like me. What do I sound like when I talk? Um, like a big bear. Like a big bear. <laughs> All right. What does your family sound like? Maybe like uh, everyone else. Funny and friendly, mm -hmm. kind, and caring. Okay. And uh, what would if you're and coffee lovers? We're coffee lovers. <laughs> yes. God made us different. Loud, crazy, and loud. Sounds like cheering, like if a cheerleader did really good. That's what our family sounds like? Yeah. Right on. Brian? <laughs> Alright, we're back to that noise. Okay, what does our family sound like? Like singing. The Parent Coop is myself and my wonderful husband, Chris Waljasper, with the help and inspiration of our two kids, Lucy and Fritz. Special thanks to Dan Bliss, Julia Jones, Elizabeth Longenecker, Emily Bakes, Nicole Mormondo, Tyler Johnson, Jessica LaCrone, and Veronica Hoke for sharing their stories and their families with us. And thanks to Kevin McLeod, who composed the original music on this episode. Do you like what you're hearing? We're planning to put out six episodes for this first season, so look out for our next episode in a couple of weeks. Follow The Parent Coop on Facebook and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if you really like it, tell a friend or write a review on iTunes. <laughs>